there's that line from the I think it's Game of Thrones. I forget what season it is where they're talking about the 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 zombie people, white people with the blue eyes, and they're how to fight them. And somebody makes the comment of how do you beat an enemy who can use your dead against you? So how can say Canonical or Susa compete against Red Hat in the Linux and open source space if anything they develop, Red Hat can just go, hey, that's a nice piece of code. We're just going to take that. Because any way that you can develop a way to be better than them, they can just copy and use. So as you develop better software, you're giving the better software to the person you're competing against. So, Jeff, are you ready for a thought experiment? Oh, absolutely. Every, every time. Except Tuesdays. Okay, I've, alluded, I've alluded to this twice. Now we're actually going to get into it. Yeah. The the question of what if Red Hat goes rogue? Oh, now, man. Yeah. Let me, let me establish the concept here that I'm working for, the frame of reference, and what my thoughts are. Okay. And then I'm going to... So, we all love the GPL. Red Hat loves the GPL. Canonical loves the GPL. SUSE loves the GPL. Microsoft might not love the GPL, but they we, tolerate the GPL. Yeah, we, we like the GPL. And this is one of the things that has helped Linux and open source be the underdog and rise up to be, depending on what your view is, on equal stance with people like Microsoft and Apple or above or just below. We're not going to get into that. What we are going to say is that if you look back to when, Jeff, when you and I first got into Linux, mm -hmm. Linux was the scrappy underdog. And when oh, I say gosh, underdog, yeah. I mean the most underdog of the underdog. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was never taken seriously. It was mocked. It was ridiculed. It, it was, was never going to be serious. It, was, it wasn't even almost a toy. It was like the level below a toy. Like there's a toy and then there's the cardboard box you jump in and out of with your with your brother or sister and you poke it with sticks. Like that's how it was considered. The packing foam. Right. No one no one considers Linux that way now. Right. And one of the reasons that Linux was able to achieve that was through the open source model and through licenses like the GPL. Mm -hmm. Because you can effectively outsource your development to the planet. Right. And, you know, you take a company like Microsoft, Microsoft can hire thousands and thousands of brilliant engineers to develop software, but there's more people in the world than what Microsoft can hire. Mm -hmm. So the GPL allows spreading the workload out in a way that companies can't fund. Mm -hmm. The result of this is you can have someone who's an underdog that over time and effort because it is disseminated across wide, vast numbers of people, can rapidly develop and... Uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, can shift according to how the industry and market changes. That's it can rapidly adapt. Mm -hmm. Now, this is fantastic when you are the underdog and you are fighting Colossus. Mm -hmm. Because you have advantages that they don't have. Nibbleness comes to mind? However, whatever whim you have, decide to go and go in this direction, check out the code and do what you want. Let's flip that script now. Mm. And let's say that Red Hat is the king top dog. Microsoft is now a joke. It's, you know, it's gone. Mac has shifted over and they're now using Linux. Um, and like Linux has one. Let's just imagine that this is the world we live in. Linux is one. Red Hat is the top dog. And they have all the big contracts because they're the biggest Linux provider. They have, you know, support. They're doing great work. This is like Red okay. Dawn, but in so software th form. This is, this, is, this is what people want. This is great. We've won, right? Well, companies change. Different people get into positions, board rollover. Companies can change. So what happens if 30 years from now, the board and executives at Red Hat start to not be as caring and mm -hmm. concerned with the community and with the openness and they realize this gpl thing is actually uh it's actually pretty interesting because uh anybody that writes gpl code we can just 
take it and do what we want with it. <laughs> so you have, let's say, let's say Susa and Canonical are, are still are still coming up. They're still building, but they don't reach Red Hat status. They're they're second and third tier. So there are options, but we both know that companies transitioning from doing business with one company to another company is a gargantuan move. Can be, and, yes. And getting a company to upend a business relationship and a software relationship to a different company and slightly different software is very difficult. Mm -hmm. It can happen, but there is usually a ton of negative inertia against you making that happen. Yes, and politicking and... And politicking. Yeah. I mean, again, let me use the wonderful reference that we all know and love, Oracle. There are plenty of open source databases that people can use. Right. Oracle still makes ridiculous amounts of money because they're Oracle and because so many businesses have used them for so long it's just easier to just stay with Oracle. Stockholm Syndrome at some point. In a way. Another fun thing that I, I love about Oracle is the, the comment that Oracle is a great legal firm that also has a software side project. <laughs> That's like the old joke that you went to a boxing match and a hockey game broke out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're a lot. So firm. what happens? That's, very, that's actually very accurate. You know. What happens if, let's say, the Oracle executives come over and get into Red Hat and they then control Red Hat? Oh, you mean like if IBM do, were to get into Red Hat? No, not IBM. We're, we're sticking with Oracle here. Where's my friend? Um, because, because everyone everyone understands the vileness of Oracle, and that's that's what I'm trying to capitalize okay, on. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I'll stop distracting so you from your situation. How how do we as a community, open source and Linux, compete with a company that is the top dog that has the GPL advantage? How can we compete against that? There's that line from the, I think it's hmm. Game of Thrones, I forget what season it is, where they're talking about the the, the zombie people, white people with the blue eyes, mm -hmm. and they're how to fight them. And somebody makes the comment of, how do you beat an enemy who can use your dead against you? Hmm. So how can, say, Canonical or Susa compete against Red Hat in the Linux and open source space if anything they develop, Red Hat can just go, hey, that's a nice piece of code. We're just going to take that. Because any way that you can develop a way to be better than them, they can just copy and use. Mm -hmm. So as you develop better software, you're giving the better software to the person you're competing against. Now, yes, this does, you know, rising tide raises all boats. But when that one boat is the gargantuan battleship, which is run by evil executives now because it's been taken over, how do you beat the battleship? And if you, if you need you your become... boat to float to survive, and they're just going to sink your boat and take everything you got every time. Yeah. Callously, casually. Yeah. How, how can the community, Linux, other companies that do open source development, what can they do in this situation? How can they combat and out-develop and out-compete a company that can literally just take everything they do for free. That's really tough, actually. Because like, the avenues that have been popping into my head, I really thought, well, that won't work because that won't work because... So let's, let's go through the things that come to mind. The immediate thought is, if you're trying to beat them, you have to write closed source software. And then immediately did one of these and like shiver like, ooh, no, no, don't, would that, don't do that. But that's the immediate... Yeah, that's the the that's the only reaction. thing I've really been able to, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I've been able to come up with as the most likely way, mm -hmm. because you can develop something they can't take, and that's the only way you can do it. And then you create an enclave, and you carefully control who's invited the enclave that can use the stuff that you share, that you can collaboratively work, kind of like a Galt's Galt kind of thing, I guess. Uh, but I don't like that idea. I don't either. All. No, it's in there. It does not. I do, I do a, not want proprietary software to be the solution it's here. It's a bad taste in my mouth. I'm just seriously like, that's why I was so frustrated when you were sharing this. I'm like, there's got to be other ways that aren't closing the so source. Anything that's open, you're right. Red Hat. Um, there was a movie that came out in like 2000 about this, actually. Uh, some kind of uh, fictional company based upon Microsoft was monitoring all the, uh, you know, the programmers, the, the really good high quality programmers would be going, whatever it was. Antitrust. Antitrust. That's the new yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so let's pretend Red Hat is that. And they're just kind of tracking what everybody's doing. Whether or not you've released your code in the public or not, they just kind of always are able to grab it. 
if we're sticking to this open source model, eventually your code will be released to open source, you know, mm-hmm. released to the world anyway. So just kind of fudge the dates there. I just don't, I guess what you'd have to do, you, there are still ways with your code being open that you can poison pill it from being joined with somebody else. Like we know that Red Hat 30 years from now is using system F. We've moved on from system D, straight past system E into system F. Just bad joke. You can write your code to something that it won't function properly when you're using system F services or something. Right, but I think Red Hat would be smart enough they could to, rip be that to adapt out. your software. Okay, like, yeah. It's open source, so they could see, oh yeah, he has an if statement. If using system F, then don't work. Oh, we're just oh, going to yeah, remove yeah, that if statement. There's the overt ones, and then there's the more covert ones. You know, there's the... I don't know. This immediately starts getting into, you know, just another pro hacker kind of crap. Like you have the the code and if you just look at the code itself, it looks okay. But I've seen these these pro hacker snippets where the code that you see is actually an input that gets run through some kind of filter and produces the code you actually want to run. It's wild. It's it seems a little far fetched to do that. And you would just spend all of your time trying to make a tool to do that as opposed to just making code so you wouldn't work it. I just can't get around a talented Red Hat who's watching every publication of open source code saying, ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. It's like the world's greatest lubies for, for software. And they can take anything you want. I don't know of an easy way other than to keep a low profile. But the second the thing you've made gets popular, your profile raises whether you like it or not, and the secret is out. Mm-hmm. So that's not a good And again, way. If, if SUSE is doing secret development, if it's GPL, the, the moment they release exactly. it and they ship it, somebody can go, hey, I want that I want that source code. And they go, oh, okay, well, here it is. And that person goes, hey, Red Hat, check this out. Boom. Well, I guess what you'd have to do, um, there's, there's, a, there's a lag time between when you publish your thing and when Red Hat publishes their copy of it. There has to be a lag time. Unless they're reading your code before you've published it, which would be scary, like in Antigris. So in that intervening time, I don't know. I was thinking, well, you could just try it, like, for the first three weeks, um, this awesome thing that you can get costs, I don't know, $90 license, and after that, it, go, it reverts to free. But it, it's not about the money. It's, uh... Right. There's and no good even way then, around this. You're, you're not going to be able, in that three weeks, to get a company to go, oh, wow, look what Canonical just developed. Screw our Red Hat certain licenses that we've paid for, we're gonna jump over to Canonical. Like, that's not gonna happen in that yeah, time period. No, it's just... And it's, so this is the thing I keep coming back to every time I think about this is I keep circling back to how do you use how do you get around the the way the GPL works because that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and eventually even if you were to put clauses in there to prevent certain people from using it like there's the anyone but Richard Stallman license we were joking about before. Um right. Anyone but a Red Hat uh employee. But what's to stop someone well, I guess it'd be relicensing, so that wouldn't be legal. But the, I just, I don't, uh, there's no good protections that I can think of. And me being, you know, free market capitalist, libertarian type, I'm all like, let's get government out of business. But in this one of the case, this would be a major monopoly from Red Hat. And it may be, we need to call on the DOG to break them up. Because that's, that's monopolistic behavior at that point. Even though it's, well, it, it's it open is, source. And it isn't. Hmm. Because it... Like, it isn't monopolistic because anybody can take it and do with it. You don't have secret sauce you're preventing from anyone else from using. Yeah. But it is monopolistic because all contributions to any GPL project can flow directly into Red Hat. Well, then maybe the thing to do is lean into it. Everything that they publish, you can copy too. So Yeah, well, we already do that. That's what CentOS I, used to be. Used That's to what be. Rocky Linux is. That's I, what I, Cloud Linux I get, is doing. I get that, like, but I guess... Uh, so... There's uh, uh, some figures I've just pulled out of my epidermis here, but you have an idea for a a software project. The sexy part of producing that software is like 8% of the total effort it takes to make the software. You know, you get all the testing, you get all the interface, the, oh gosh, the input validations for every single input field. Like I have literally changed my algorithms to reduce the number of input fields. It's like, I do not want to write nine hours of input validation here. I only had three, these three fields, I only need to write three hours worth of invitation. Input validation. So maybe you write your idea, the sexy part of your idea, and leave it half-baked. And then knowing Red Hat's going to take your excellent idea, put it into their code, they'll finish it and do all the polish because they're not going to put out code that's going to make them look bad. Then you just take all their good work that you didn't have to do, 
they did all the unsexy input validation and the testing and all that other stuff. And now you can kind of like, hey, thanks, Red Hat. We're going to keep going from here. I don't, you can't stop them from taking your idea, but you can take it advantage of what they're going to do right, with it. But, but again, how does that, how does that allow you to affect the, uh, the, the fact that industry will end up as a monoculture because there's going to be no real benefit or argument of why they shouldn't use Red Hat because you cannot offer anything different okay. because anything you offer, they have as well. And if they're already embedded with the company, you offer zero reasons for the company to transition from where they are to you. This is like normally, yeah. normally in industry, you do this by building a better product. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, you can't build a better product without building Red Hat a better product that they can take as well. Well, yes and no, because let Red Hat commits to certain key elements. That, so one of the things I admire about and also find painful for Debian is that they are, they'll support multiple init systems. They'll support um, both GNOME and KDE, I think they did for a while. And then you know, they have all these different builds and strains and they, they, they div the, you know, the design the, the distribution around this flexibility, sometimes to their detriment, often to their detriment, um, but that's a thing that they do that most other distributions don't, you know, Red Hat uses system D for its init system. And if you write a tool, uh, you can write a unit file to do it. I'm just trying to think of there's, there's gotta be ways to write your software such that it doesn't, it's incompatible with the choices, the base choices that Red Hat has made. There's gotta be ways. If, uh, so let me ask this, the end goal of this is what in this situation, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to make the world better? Am I trying to make money selling software? Am I trying, what, what's, my, what's my chief goal here in this situation? Your chief goal here is to topple the Red Hat monopoly. Oh. That hypothetically exists. Well, that's easy. As, go put on the black we, hat and go attack. As we have done with Microsoft. Microsoft used to be the game in town. Mm -hmm. There wasn't an option. If you, if you were serious about doing something, you were using Microsoft. That's changed. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you know, time goes by and Linux is now the product. It is the choice. And Red Hat is effectively for all, for all, for, what's the, what's the term I want to use? Intents and purposes. For all intents and purposes. Yes, that one. Oh, but I'm not innocent. Is the choice to go. Sorry. So how do you, how does Canonical or SUSE then go, okay, well, we need to compete. You pick a different drivetrain and you... Now yeah. what? So you don't do Linux? No, you, no, no, no. What? So uh, you know, Linux, you, you both use the Linux kernel. You know, that's kind of shared resource among everybody. But the stuff you bolt onto it and you wrap around it, no one says you have to use GNU Core Utils with Linux. You don't have to. You can have the kernel and uh, pick a Musil libc, libc, and put whatever software you want in there that's not GNU Tools, if you want. You can do that. That'd be an odd distribution that would be probably difficult to use because I'm so used to the core tools the way they are, but you could do it. You differentiate yourself by using different core products. That's right, what, that's what again, else can you do? It, well, that's, that's my question because if, if let's say, okay, let's say SUSE does that. Mm -hmm. They go, you know what? We're not going to use the GNU to core utils anymore. We're going to, we're going to use BusyBox mm -hmm. and we're going to fund BusyBox development. So I think BusyBox is actually MIT, but let's just... I'm sure there's For one instance, that might be yeah. GPO. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you do this. SUSE does this. They start developing this. They're trying to to offer something better. Again, it's GPL. And if Red Hat is sitting there going, hey, look at this stuff over here that SUSE is developing. Mm -hmm. And this has way more capabilities than what we're using for our GNU utils. Mm -hmm. um, hey, somebody check that license. Oh, oh that's GPL. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for the next version, we're just going to integrate that. Okay. Um, you can't stop that. I, I, there is no recourse. It's built into the license deliberately. And so my question is, does that mean that the ultimate end goal or the end result of GPL is a monopoly? No, that, I'm not willing to go there. I'm, I don't. So there was something you, you mentioned the word monoculture earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think we'll ever truly be a monoculture in the Linux world, even if Linux takes over everything else. And it may, I, I don't know, you know, I hear rumblings that, Rather than maintaining their own kernel and all their own stuff, it would be maybe this uh, Windows for Linux subsystem is uh, early efforts to try and merge Windows with Linux such that they don't have to maintain as much in their kernel or something. You know, there's rumors to that effect. Mm -hmm. Linux takes over. There's 
always going to be people like I was in the 90s and 2000s. Like, I'm not using what everybody else is using. I, I said in early on, I picked Slackware because I don't know anybody else who was using it. No one else had heard of it. And I wanted to take a crack at something challenging. And boy, was it, you know? You remember those early days, how hard it was to figure, mm-hmm. you figure things out and figure your way around? This was back before I was really on IRC or had a presence, so I was using man pages and the occasional website. Uh, Linux documentation project was a huge help. And that kind of thing. I pick something different. There's always going to be people, people that pick something different. There's always going to well, be... This is, okay, this is not to say that, that there is not going to be any other versions of Linux. Okay. But well, that's, if, that's what business I mean. ends up, if business ends up where Red Hat becomes the de facto choice if you want enterprise support because of their ability to innovate and their ability to produce products and their stability and on and on and on and on and on. So when if that happens, as long as Red Hat is the, you know, the open company that cares about the community... I don't think most people would mind if Red Hat was the top dog. Mm-hmm. But again, if then Oracle executives decide to jump ship and I'll come to Red Hat, now Red Hat is not altruistic. Now they're not right. doing it for the community benefit and for Linux benefit. It's now we're doing it for our wallet. And not to say that Red Hat can't earn money, but if the shift changes from build a good product, community, open source, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and we also make a ton of cash, to our goal is to make a ton of cash and we're going to do this Linux community thing just as long as it also helps us make more cash. Well, okay. So so then I how see. does a, a smaller company like Canonical or SUSE, who is another enterprise company, how can they compete against Red Hat when they can't out-innovate them? Yeah. Because anything they do, Red Hat can just run with. And again, the only thing I can come back to is you write stuff under a license that's not GPL so Red Hat can't take it, mm-hmm. but I don't like that answer. No, I don't like the answer. There are other things. So I have been entering into this thought experiment with the understanding that any monopoly is bad. But in this instance, Oracle execs have come over. I, their software that the now Oracle-controlled Red Hat is releasing is still GPL, right? Yes. So... The defense is always one person volunteers to pay the exorbitant cost for Oracle Red Hat licensing, $90,000 million, you know, four sheep and, and one goat, whatever it is. Someone pays the exorbitant price, or we all band together to pay the exorbitant price to get one license that comes with the software, the code, and we make our own copy. We're always okay, protected. They do yes, all the heavy I'm, lifting, and right, I'm okay with them making tons of money. That doesn't, that doesn't solve the issue. Well, so the, the issue people that is... Are, you can't get businesses to, why are businesses still dealing with oracle oracle is a trash company that absolutely screws over their customers every way they can and yet businesses still open up the wallet every year for oracle because it's just where this is our system this is who we deal with this is the database we use just pay oracle just pay the ransom money so we don't have to worry about it there's plenty of options that companies can go with mm-hmm. they choose not to because we're with Oracle and we use Oracle products. It takes talent and time and effort that maybe they don't have or budget they don't have. It's cheaper. Maybe, I, I would not be surprised if Oracle does this. They figured out just how much they can charge that it stings, but not enough for you to be able to afford to go replace them. Right. And that's what they charge. Like, I think it was uh, five or six years ago, I remember hearing them, someone say that Oracle is now charging they would go look up the revenues of the company that was, that was going for the license. And based upon how much revenue that company was making, they would charge more or less for licensing. Like that kind of asinine bullcrap. That, that's so mm-hmm. Oracle to a T. Yeah. But I, I guess... Um, and even after that, companies still are very hesitant to change, even though they can save ridiculous amounts of money and use other databases, which are just as good. They don't because of the... The, the resistance to change that exists within businesses. Well, and Oracle has yeah. been able to coast on that. And again, that's, uh, that's just Oracle. Mm-hmm. So if we take that mindset and we apply that to Red Hat, it doesn't matter if Canonical can go, hey, we have the same product or we have a product that's you know 1% better and we're not going to take 20% of your revenue every year. We're just going to ask for the small figure. Mm-hmm the same thing is going to happen. There's going to be companies which are going to go, yeah, but, you know, we're with Red Hat, we're already integrated with them, 
all our systems run. We run all their software. Yeah, we know you have something that's, that's similar that's just like it, but we're just going to keep paying the ransom. Okay. They deserve a Red Hat, and Red Hat deserves them then in that situation. They're going to be people that are price conscious, companies that are price conscious, many of them out there, especially in an era like now in COVID when so many people have lost their jobs and margins are, are much tighter and success is harder to come by. It's out there still. You can go find it. I really admire the people that are starting a business in this era, but there are some really successful businesses that start in every major downturn. So that is to say, there are always going to be price conscious customers out there that cannot or will not afford Oracle Hat. You know, for shipping these two together, which is effectively what we're doing here. It's Oracle mm -hmm. X Red Hat. So um, there's going to be companies that just aren't willing to pay the cost for that. And that's fine. They have other alternatives. They can go to Canonical. Canonical can compete on cost alone. Because if Red Hat is the 8,000-pound gorilla that dominates everything and Linux owns everything, they can charge whatever they want, effectively. And there will be people that are willing to compete on price. There will be people that are willing to compete on support quality. There will be people that are willing to compete on proximity. So some of the support contract, I have a system in a data center that can never go down. It can never, ever, ever, ever go down, and it must always stay at this high level of throughput. That's why I go to Oracle, because Oracle will charge me $900,000, but they will literally park a tech, you know, 500 feet away in an office building, sitting and waiting for you to call, because the tech costs them $50,000 a year, the equipment and the room that he's in, another 20, and they're making $900,000. They can respond to your service call in 10 minutes flat because he's just right over there. They can do that because you're paying them $900,000 a year or whatever. Pick a, pick a number out of a hat. I just picked something out. Mm -hmm. Someone could compete on that. They could say, well, we'll do it for $400,000 and I'll be the one to sit near you. While you're not, you know, while I'm not servicing your contract, I can be working on somebody else's contract. There are ways to win the money side. If you take the money out of it, Entirely, if you take the Oracle angle out, and it's just like Linux has dominated so thoroughly that uh, all of their operating systems have been decimated, then I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's, that's a win. That is a glorious feature in which Linux has been recognized to be so good that other softwares and other operating systems gave up and don't compete anymore. I don't for a second think that's ever going to happen, but I also have been, you know, surprised when some people threw in the towel or companies threw in the towel that we just... We can't compete anymore. We're just going to merge with this company and, and that's our new life. You know? I, I don't for a second think that operating systems are going away. Linux is amazing. It's by, by volume the largest operating system in the world, as I've alluded to before, when you count all the cell phones in the world. But there will always be a role for Windows. Because there are people that are hell-bent on hating Macs and Linux. And they'll use Windows until... And past the end of their life, even they'll like pride it right into the wheel. My children will never use Linux, kind of thing. There are people out there like that. I understand the vehemence, but that's their call. Okay. So there will always be markets for other things. I, I just, the number of conclusions and dead ends I have to introduce into the situation to make it so it's dystopian. Uh, at that point, it I I can't keep going anymore because I, I've I've we've gone through this. You've you've raised three or four like possible, not possible like three or four wrinkles into the situation to make it more difficult to find a solution. Maybe that's not a good way to characterize it. But um, you have added more wrinkles into the situation, and every time I'm left with, well, okay, putting the money aside, that means we have a superior product, and because the GPO protects us all. As long as we have one person paying the license one time, we all get to benefit from it. At the end of the day, if the rest of the world coordinated and said, we don't need to pay Red Hat for anything because we just have one person paying the license, this, this would never happen, but one person pays the license, we all get to benefit. Well, Red Hat would go out of business overnight. So it's only because there's lots of money and they're willing yeah, but that's to also, pay. That's also a tonal fantasy situation is, you just concocted is. there. I know it is. Which I is know. so far outside of the realm that, I mean, why even bring it up? Well, because it's about, it's uh, to me, it's about tandem to Red Hat has won and has conquered everything. Well, it's no, equally because, as ludicrous. Uh, see, I don't think it is, because again, the, any software that's written under the GPL, Red Hat can take. Okay. So it's, it's literally just a measure of time until there is more and better GPL software, because they're simply, it's a numbers game mm -hmm. of GPL open source developers versus what 
closed source companies okay, like yeah. Apple and Microsoft can produce. So in the measure of time, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, Microsoft is not going to be able to compete against the amount of development that is done in the open. Mm. And because it's GPL, Red Hat doesn't have to pay for it all. Mm. I don't so, think that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there's it can lead to a bad outcome. Okay. Again, if you know, in the in the Oracle Hat scenario here that that I'm 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 bringing up, <laughs> you're you're shipping here. What happens when there? Because again, the the reason that Linux was able to beat Microsoft and Apple mm-hmm. by and large is because of the GPL, is because of open source. Mm-hmm. Every time someone publishes a thing, they can take it. Yeah. Well, so that, there's, they there's, can't there's, change the license of the code they've taken. So everything they take stays GPL. Yes. There's so, a line from uh, there's a line from Doom that says, "Within every revolution lies the seeds of its own destruction." Oh, I like that. That's good. Yeah. And it's that's kind of what I'm saying is the GPL has enabled Linux's rise, mm-hmm. and it has enabled Red Hat's rise because they can take advantage of anything the community has done. Mm-hmm. What's the logical end of that? Yes, Linux will get better. That's I'm not I'm not contesting that. I'm not saying that Microsoft going away is a bad thing. No, I think it would be a good thing. But when you have one company which gets into a position of absolute dominance, even though there are alternatives, the GPL can't be used against them because it is the very thing that made them dominant. Okay. But at that point, the so what I'm hearing you say maybe is not what you're thinking you're saying. What I'm hearing you say is that that Red Hat abusing, not abusing, using the GPL to take every feature that is good, combining it under one roof and selling it, has become so thoroughly high quality that nothing else can compete. Well, then if everybody's using Red Hat, then now we are a monoculture and monocultures are subject to um, attack, we'll say. When, when everybody, like around here in North Dallas, we went through a love affair with crepe myrtles because they don't take a lot of water. They grow willowy and big and they look different than, than the oaks we have around here. And so everybody loved it. And there were crepe myrtles like on every house in some neighborhood. And about six or seven years ago, we had so many crepe myrtles, there was some kind of crepe myrtle wilt that came through and just decimated about 85% of them. And they were all gone because some people, there was like just bare flower gardens, you know, flower areas or, or, or where their plants had been, there was just, you know, dead trees everywhere. Because some people had gone for crepe myrtles. And people have tended to replace with another something that they've created a monoculture out of. But inevitably, whenever there is a monoculture anything, some kind of antagonistic force will rise up to destroy it. Because everybody's using the same thing. That means they're all vulnerable to the same thing. So within the boundaries of GPL, I don't think you could knock down a red hat in that position. But outside of that, using more nefarious black hat means, you're basically creating a super highway. You, you you find the vulnerability that's in the Red Hat stuff, and since everybody's using Red Hat, you have the vulnerability access into anybody. And all it takes is one or two of those, as we're witnessing right now with solar winds, for everybody to say, oh gosh, I don't want to use that anymore. Well, so th- all it's going to take is for there to be a patch. And because of GPL, let's say Canonical comes up with a the patch. They fix the flaw. And Red Hat can go, great, we've got it. Boom, done. We're we, We're not vulnerable anymore. To that one. Right. Well, you're never going to be able to stop. Software is never going to stop. Yes, so it's not. That I don't I don't really see how that addresses the issue. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but it's it's no different than anyone else developing something better and Red Hat going, yeah, we like that. Okay. Because that's kind of the point that I think is is fundamental to this is how do you compete against someone that can take every single thing you do and use it against you. I I say I want to contest that using it against you. Well, if you're talking about market competition, it is. You're so in So I create I, I am publishing a Linux or a software that's mm-hmm. open source. I add a feature. Based upon this additional feature, I'm expecting nine hundred thousand unit extra sales or something like that. And each sale comes at X cost. Red Hat sees this new feature, immediately adds it to their product and says, Look, we have this thing. We watched this play out repeatedly in the 80s and the 90s and 2000s. It was brutal in the early days of the tech market. I mean, think of how many companies lived and died on, you know, uh, what was that uh, show? Halt and Catch Fire was all about that. 
how many companies mm-hmm. like and it was just spotlighting a fictional company that was kind of modeled off of Compact, but at, at Comdex there was uh, it was at the end of the first season there was all these companies that were out there hawking their products and some you knew just were not we're not going to survive and they had spent you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars just to attend this one show and they were going to crash and burn so hard mm-hmm. it's going to happen you know it, it's just there's a it's a brutal field and people steal from each other all the time so what we've seen is that someone rises to the top. But the second they get fat and complacent, someone else can invent something, and the fat and complacent company can't move quickly enough to follow them. So it's it's um. See, I think it's it. The difference is you're talking about proprietary systems and proprietary software versus GPL, because GPL means they don't really even have to innovate. They can literally just pick up and drop, or make a few changes here and then utilize it. So I if think anyone comes how up, you can pick it up and drop it in. I, I think that that you're you're approaching oh little too trivially there like it's i know i can copy paste this code in or or just create another module and encapsulate it but unless i'm looping it into what i'm already doing which may not be exactly the same as to where i got it from there is some interfacing that has to be done there is some modification to adapt it to what my software does or what my interfaces are what my expectations are so it's not free it's not just wholesale pickup thing drop in my code boom done there's always more yeah, I, there's going to be more effort, but it's not going to be that much because, again, let's say it's canonical. They're using Linux. They're using the same kernel. Unless they have completely diverged and they're using completely separate user land stuff, all this complete different software, they're using a completely different init system. Unless they could completely a field, if they're utilizing anything based on what we know of how an OS works, mm-hmm. there's not going to be much really in the way. Like, you take you take um Kubernetes containers. Mm-hmm. This, you know, containers on Linux is in the kernel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, how you package that in the OS and allow people to interface with it is going to depend on your user land utilities. Mm-hmm. But the stuff is already in the kernel. Right. So if Canonical comes up with a new container product that's, that's better than Podman or better than Docker or whatever, it's a user land system. Mm-hmm. So nothing is stopping Red Hat from going, hey, we like that yoink. Okay, you're right. I just and I think and between oh. com- competing, you know, not just companies but organizations building Linux, how can you convince people who are using Red Hat to hey, don't use them, use us? We have a better product. Oh wait, no, we don't because they're just copied us. Well, okay, no, it's you can't. I'm going to go back and hammer you on this. You can't just copy. Okay, Docker um, came out with things initially. They were based. They were using LXC library originally. Mm-hmm. Decided it wasn't for them. They didn't like some of the limitations or whatever. And so they went off and did their own thing. And they based a lot of their paradigm around having this root daemon required to do all the stuff that talking to the kernel to get it all set up. They just had this resident root daemon that you would interface with, which meant you had to be root itself. There was a lot of challenges. Red Hat didn't care for how that's being done. They don't like this root daemon and don't like that someone has to be root to interface Mm -hmm. with it. So they came up with something else. So they have a different way of starting their containers. Um, Podman, you alluded to. If Docker goes and adds a feature that can only work on in a root daemon model, Red Hat can't follow. So they can't just wholesale pick up and drop that new feature in there. Yes, they can. They can pick up all of Docker and dump it inside as, oh yeah, if you want to use that other thing, we also have Docker as an option. Why would they want to put the effort towards that? They could because they, but now if they didn't want again they, e- evil evil corporation here. Okay, they don't okay. want competition. They're, they have limited resources, development resources. No, no one's development resources are endless. Okay, can we agree on that? Yeah. Okay, so they have a limited resources, which means they have to do some economic decisions on what do they put their resources towards. They have already decided, just starting in present day, they have decided to focus their efforts on Ansible as automation and. Bot and do, um, not Docker, uh, Buildman, Podman, no, mm-hmm. Builda, Podman, and Scopeo, I think it's the, uh, Scopio. Scopio, excuse me. The registry tech. They mm-hmm. have focused on that. They've been doing marketing and media blitzes and, and doing presentations and all this stuff. That's, that's the way they've been marching. So it would not make any sense at all for them to wholesale pluck all the Docker code and say, oh, we also have Docker built in here. They built a tool instead that replaced Docker and did it better. They don't need those things. Whatever Docker does, it's awesome. They can pluck the one feature and put it in Podman. But there's always the chance that the thing that Docker adds can't be done in Podman because it's got a different design aesthetic. Maybe it's a good way to put it. Right. 
But again, that doesn't stop anyone from running Docker on RHEL. No, it doesn't. Docker so, supports RHEL. Why? why right. That's not so, a hardship. That, that's kind of my point is, yes, Red Hat can decide, okay, Docker developed this new thing and we want to copy it, but we want to copy it in our way. That's something they can do. Yes. They do it now. It happens now all the time. Exactly. But that's not an only choice they have. They can, if they wanted to, scoop up the whole thing and drop it in. They could. Maybe, maybe something could happen and they're like, Docker comes out with some brilliant new thing and Red Hat engineers' jaws are on the floor and they're like, oh crap, we can, we can do this, but this is going to take us a year of development to catch up to speed. Mm-hmm. Do you really think Red Hat's going to go, well, I guess we're just going to be behind for a year? No. Or is Red Hat going to go, okay, start shipping Docker, and in the meantime, we're going to work on our own version in, in Podman to exactly catch Exactly that. That's what's going to happen. Right. So if you're SUSE, they own Rancher Labs now, they want to compete, so they, they team up with, with all the other container people to do something. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the same issue. They develop something that's far superior. Red Hat can go, yeah, they can develop their own version of it that is equal or if they're caught off guard and they're behind, can just go, oh, that's great. We're going to take that too. And then SUSE now no longer has an argument to other businesses of, hey, you should use us because look at this better software we have because they're not the only ones with it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. So as SUSE, you spent your time investing in this feature, product, tool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Pick one. And hopefully you did your due diligence and you, you, you wrote your testing and you were careful about all these things and, and how, uh, the code, you know, right. Modularly, right. Interface, all the, uh, the things we talked about in the Unix philosophy, you know, mm-hmm. take all those paradigms and make sure that it's represented in your code. It's done well. Right. They spent all that effort. Red Hat picks up the whole software and drops it in. They get the benefit of the testing, but they, they really get the benefit of some of the other stuff. Um, um, I'm having trouble articulating this. Okay. It, it seems like it's not a problem. The way you're, pre- you're presenting it as if it's a problem, I don't see it as much of a problem. I think what you're saying is, what, I, what I'm understanding you're saying is, I have a new feature, I can't sell it because the second I publish it, Red Hat can sell it too. And they'll, since they already have, in this dystopian future, market share, everybody's already paying them already anyway. So I'm never going to be able to make a feature that's, that I can distinguish myself and sell. Is, is, am I okay? So it's the selling part of it. The selling yes, part of it has always been warped. The economics of selling open source software have never made sense. So that's why most companies give the software away and sell expanded features, like what Elasticsearch has done, or they sell support or both. I do not care for Elasticsearch. I stopped using it when I figured out you can't get um, any kind of authentication unless you pay them for enterprise licensing. They have deliberately made it so it's just a bare open port. And I think this is exactly why you see so many compromises where people say someone left the database open because Elasticsearch is too awesome of a product not to try and it's just too tasty. So people go out and they try it, they stick up a container, they play with it like, oh, this is amazing. And they don't stop and think, I can't secure this effectively. A lot of people just don't ever go there. They're like, oh, this is amazing. This is what I needed. My product is missing this. We're ready to move on now. You can't secure it effectively. Elasticsearch put that under lock and key. You have to pay for their XPAC, or it was called XPAC. I don't know if it's still that now, but it's an enterprise license. And mm-hmm. it's not cheap. We, I looked into it one time for a company. They wanted something like $120,000 for seven licenses for a year. Mm. It, was, it was a bit absurd. But um, look, they can charge whatever they want. And mm-hmm. there's nothing saying that I have to pay them for that. The rest of the code is open source. Can't I just go look at how someone else does um, Active Directory lookups and try and graft it into Elasticsearch myself and do it my own way? I could do that. That's exactly what they did, probably. I mm-hmm. could duplicate their effort. Nothing stopping me from it. It's just it, this, this fear only really lives in a situation where you want to use somebody else's software without ever putting more effort into it. As long as I'm willing to put some effort into this thing that I'm stealing from somebody else, I can do whatever I want. But if I just want to steal the product or steal the feature or steal whatever on wholesale, drop it in, that's when it doesn't, it doesn't really work anymore because the shortcomings, or I'm sorry, the, the features may translate across, but so there'll be shortcomings from the differences. Again, I'm, I'm really struggling to articulate why no, no, I don't I, think I, this is I, a problem. Yeah, I, I understand that there, it's not going to be as a seamless as, a, as an integration, perhaps. Yeah. I'm not denying that. But again, the amount of effort that is required to get a business to shift from mm-hmm. one platform to another, no matter how close they are, 
is it's enormous. enormous. Yes, it and, is enormous. And you're not going to be able to get a company to go, okay, we're going to actually move because there's a few rough edges in this implementation. Yeah, I know. It depends on if they've been bitten by those rough edges before. But I can't speak for all corporations. I can't speak for all businesses at all. But not everybody's going to act the same way. There are kind of people that differentiate themselves. And this is, this is one of the things that helped Linux to thrive early on. They were people that saw the benefit of running their websites on Linux. They could do so for free or cheap. They didn't need to pay anybody else for support. Probably if they were willing to run Linux, you know, back in like 98, they probably had someone on staff or maybe the person doing the company themselves was the Linux geek and they could do all the work they needed. It was straightforward. Apache was very easy to understand. By you know, they hadn't quite gone to the incredibly difficult to decipher configuration that they have now. Relatively straightforward to do. And there was a distinct advantage in that you didn't need to pay Windows for a license for Windows and IIS. You could just run mm -hmm. for free your web server. So it naturally had an advantage. There's always going to be someone looking for that. Mm -hmm. So there'll always be someone looking for Canonical, which Red Hat stole this new feature that they that Canonical produced. But Canonical is only charging me twenty five hundred dollars. Red Hat wants forty thousand. Right. I'll pick Canonical. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Again, I'm not saying that there won't be alternatives and there won't be companies that can that can manage a business. But we have seen in this industry how. You know, Microsoft had, what, 97% of the market for over a decade? Mm -hmm. I hated that. I hated and that so much. the only thing that took it down, or one of the main things that took it down, was the fact that open source development could actually compete. Mm -hmm. And because Microsoft was proprietary, they couldn't just take the GPL code, bake it in, and ship it. Mm -hmm. Because then, because of the GPL, they would have had to release their code as well. Mm -hmm. So... The GPL combated proprietary software, but you, you can't compete with the GPL with the GPL. Now, if, if you're trying to make all of your money on just selling good at sales, like licenses, I think that's true. But I think if you're an open source company and you're making all of your money on unit sales like that, then you're in for a hard time. Because you're trying to sell a free product. Mm -hmm. How well does that work? I'm going to pick up a patch of dirt and I'm going to sell it to you. You could have easily walked over here and picked up the same exact patch of dirt. But you live not in this state, so if you really, really want this particular patch of dirt, you're probably willing to pay me to have picked it up for you and to ship it there. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason. A stupid example. But it's worth it for you to pay $28 for the patch of dirt and another 12 for shipping or whatever it is. Because $28 is a heck of a lot cheaper than a plane ticket, and it costs you no time. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be some competition on cost. Yeah, there's, there's always, always going to be some. It, but you can live is there. it ever going to be enough to be able to topple whoever happens to be the top dog? I don't know. Because one of the things that I, I consistently stand by is that monocultures of any kind are bad. Mm -hmm. There needs to be good, I would even say aggressive competition. It doesn't have to be bad, mm -hmm. but aggressive competition because we all win as people compete and things get better. I agree. Well, I, I'm inclined to agree, but there's I have some different caveats, I think. Um, not all monocultures are bad. I had this thought pop in earlier. Um, let's say, as you were fronting earlier, a new feature appears in one distribution and mm -hmm. we can just wholesale lift it and put in all the others. Well, that's kind of like we have a bunch of different algorithms that are all trying to attain, attain a more perfect something. So the second a good feature shows up in one, all the rest of them get it too. To me, that's a strength. Not a weakness, not a failing, but a strength. Every new good something can rapidly spread in a positive way to all the other somethings that are related to it. And the unit as a whole becomes stronger okay. because everybody has that new feature. Yes, and this is true as long as you are looking at it in a positive way. Now look at it in a negative way. Let's say we have a virus, and this virus is, is really good at one thing. So then it, 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 it spreads, mm -hmm. and then, oh, well, well, now it spreads more, and it spreads more, and it spreads more, and then we can have mutations of a virus. Now more computers are getting infected, more networks are getting infected, and it can mutate again. And now the same thing can happen with a negative spin. It's okay, not just yeah. always, hey, there's this advancement, and it's going to end up being better. It's gonna, we're all going to be better from it. 
there could be advancements that go the other direction. I acknowledge it. And you have systems, there, there's a, I forget, there was a sci-fi uh, book that I read years and years and years ago. Um, it was a, it was kind of a Dysotopian novel that actually I should probably find and go back and read because now that I think about it, it brought some good points. Um, and it is, you know, it, it looked at revolutions in the past from governments mm -hmm. and what people were able to do to then topple their government. And in a sufficiently advanced society with sufficiently advanced surveillance, all of the means that would have been possible before to network and to integrate to be able to topple that government mm -hmm. will now, now don't work anymore because you can't have that private conversation, Okay, for instance. Because every, you know, every source of communication is being monitored and blah, 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 blah. You know, mm -hmm. encryption doesn't work anymore. Let's just say, I forget, I forget exactly how the novel was laid out, but that was kind of like the, the thread there. Okay. Was you can reach a point where all the ways before that you would topple a, a, an oppressive government, you can't do anymore because you can't network and you can't work together okay. to build up enough steam to make it happen. I, I, I hear what you're saying. So um, taking that kind of mindset and applying it to open source, if you get a sufficiently bad actor in a sufficiently powerful position, can the rest of the ecosystem band together enough to be able to topple that? We could do it with Microsoft because proprietary versus GPL. But if we're all using the GPL, that advantage has been taken away because the evil corporation would have that as well. So what things can or could we as a com larger community be able to do to then take down the new big baddie. Hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think I've, I've answered as much as I'm able to, kind of scattered among all yeah. of them. So I'll summarize it. Uh, proximity, cost, and service quality. That's how you compete still. Because the big evil bad corporation can't be everywhere all the time. The only way that could be possible is if they were literally charging everybody so much money and those people had absolutely no other choice that they could literally keep people like... Uh, Every server or everywhere that there was any, any one of their customers that could have a person just like around on hand. And you could make the case that, you know, in certain phases of IBM's life, they could almost do that. But IBM has fallen some. We've witnessed it. You know, it's, it's not the same IBM as it was 25 years ago. And they're trying different things because that old model doesn't work as much anymore. Partly because Linux has come and, and changed the opinions. You do not need to pay $100,000 for this thing that can be done for free. And you may need to keep a Linux nerd on staff, but that's, I don't know, uh, hopefully he or she can do other things too. So it's not like their salary is all going towards the Linux part. Anyway, the numbers bear out that the only way that first this evil overlord corporation to survive would be if everybody else had no other choice and they were able to charge like ridiculously rate, high rates. The Oracle model. But Okay, hypothetically, mm -hmm. what if they decided, hey, let's not price gouge people so people necessarily are going to need to look for the uh, cheaper offering. Instead of charging a million dollars for this feature, well, let me charge 400000 Such that the, the resistance that companies are going to have is going to be far less, again, because getting a company to actually have enough impetus to change takes a while. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they start seeing a trend, well, they can just adjust their amounts, drop the prices. Oh, look, they dropped the prices. We don't need to go anywhere. The second the company drops the prices, like the, the vendor drops the prices, they cannot afford to keep people in every city. Their quality goes down in some way, either the locality or the quality or something drops because the revenues are not there to support it. I don't for a second believe that a well, million that's assuming, dollars... Okay, that's also assuming a one-to-one -one income versus right, out, okay, okay, outlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well... Uh, we're we're kind of contriving the situation to begin with. So I think it's not an unfair contrivance to do this evaluation with, honestly. Um, I honestly think the remedies that exist now in a capitalistic society would be enough such that the situation could never appear the way you say it was. And I know we had, like you alluded to earlier, in the closed versus open, we had Microsoft, but it was because that was closed. In the open source world, we always have the remedy of I just need one license. I just need one mm -hmm. copy. That's all I need to be able to make more copies. And the copy left protects us from a situation like you're describing, because I don't think a corporation could ever make enough revenue and move quickly enough to take every feature that every single project is doing that's useful and putting it in their product too. I just, you can't make money and still be able to move that fast that way. I, I don't see it. So maybe it's possible. And we might see it play out that way. I strongly doubt it. Okay. It is a good thought experiment, though. 
and it's valuable to consider what are our options. Mm -hmm. but and I, I think, also think there's the mo the money issue makes it all confusing because it does. You know, and again, because the GPL doesn't require money, mm -hmm. you know, the Red Hat, it, let's say Canonical develops something, Red Hat yeah. can get it without having to pay for it. So, yeah. like, th their outlay doesn't have to be as much. And of course, right. in today's world, well, do you really need a body in every city? Or, no. you know, because we have everything online. Absolutely so not. Maybe you're just going to outsource that to India, like mm -hmm. all the telephone operators in the world. Um, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, right. we, we can keep going down this road. We can, we can. Um, so, I, and I don't want to get into the weeds, because I think the premise Oh, we're is, already there. Well, yeah. The premise, for me, has been something that I've thought about long enough, and I've never really been able to come up with any any good options. Because a lot of the things you've mentioned I've thought about, but then, as you know... I've had something to reply back against because obviously I've thought yeah. about this. Yes, and I know I kind of put you on the spot. No, no, and I haven't given you time to. I haven't given you time to really think about it. Well, um, I think that um, I've explored what I could within the resources that I had, and I honestly, I uh, having talked this through with you for as long as we have, I, I do firmly believe that the things that would be needed to topple such a situation already exist and are already in play. Which means, to me, the situation could never exist. Because the second it gets severe enough that it starts approaching that situation, those remedies would be exercised. And it would get knocked down to size. That's what I believe. That doesn't mean that the thought experiment isn't worthwhile. It very much is. It also points to the foresight of those that came before us and decided on how the, the exact parameters of copyleft and the, the power behind them. Just like one might investigate the Constitution of the United States and how it's lived for so long and survived as well as it has through constant evolutions in humanity. The foresight that the American founding fathers had when they declared, you know, when they put together these constitution is pretty astounding when you think about it. Like the, mm -hmm. you know, a couple words here, remove that word there, all of a sudden this has a different meaning and things don't survive the way they do. But this, this particular turn of phrase in that particular way has the potential to be interpreted for multiple scenarios. And I feel right. the same way about GPL. It's one of the things that I love about it. The one of the things I love about open source and copyleft in general. It's just, it's so powerful. The remedies are baked right in there. And every time you agree to release your software or to use somebody else's software under that license, you're beholden to those restrictions. And those restrictions keep everybody playing. This is not the right word, but it's the word I'm going to reach for. Everybody keeps everybody honest, I think. Maybe that's not true, but that's the word at hand. And uh, I think at this point we've 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 really uh, explored the depth of this, and we've we've done a pretty long episode on this. I think we should probably start winding down on it. But I would love to hear. Yeah, I'd like to punt it to the the listeners and say, "What oh, are your absolutely, thoughts?" Because yeah. I think this might be another one where we get feedback from all over the spectrum. I expect so. And I, I'd be curious to know if other people have thought about this, if they've run this thought experiment in their head, what thoughts they've come up with. Uh, have they found some nifty solution? And sort of tangent to this, but also related, and this is a license question, and that is, is anyone aware of an open source license that specifically prohibits selling the software? In other words, is there like a GPL type license that also includes a clause saying you cannot sell the software? Isn't that what the commons clause is? I, I don't think so. And, and commons is usually for not software. Um, I mean, you can sell public domain stuff. Yeah, yeah which can. is kind of what Creative Commons is. Yeah, no, no the com the Commons clause uh, I'm reading from CommonsClause.com. Um, software is provided to you by the licensor under the license as defined below, subject to the following condition. It's basically an addition on top of the license you've already done, without limiting other conditions in the license. The grant of rights under the license will not include, and the license does not grant to you the right to sell the software. The Commons clause. It is an addition. Some people consider it hostile. Um, it is out there. I don't see it very often, but I ran across it when I was researching for our earlier podcast about licenses. I'll send you the information about this, and we can talk about it okay. more later. Because yeah, because I've only I've only heard of the the Creative Commons with non-commercial, mm -hmm. but that doesn't really apply so much to software, and that's also non-commercial. And the way commercial gets defined in those terms, yeah, is is weird. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because commercial doesn't necessarily mean in exchange for money. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't use it for advertisement for your company, even if you're not making any money off of it, because right. it's a commercial purpose. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, yeah, if anybody has any other ideas on that from the community, throw that at me as well, because that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I'm off base on that, if I'm misunderstanding what this commons clause is about, then I want to know, you know, because I, I, I thought, why am I not seeing this in more places? So maybe mm -hmm. I am misunderstanding what it's for. If so, let me know, and if, if not, just, you know, affirm. Let's, let's get this all cleared up. Uh, send us your feedback, and uh, I hope that uh, we haven't overwhelmed you with all the data here, but... Uh, we have some really intelligent listeners that offer some really good feedback. So I'm, little, I'm looking forward to what people come up with. Do uh, you have any other closing thoughts? Uh, no, not really. What? Other than I want to hear what other people have to say. All right. Well, uh, we will sign off and remember to be excellent to each other. <laughs>